And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is July 25th, 206th day of the year. 159 days remain to the year's over with. It's uh, an interesting date. It is National Hot Fudge Sunday Day. Now, I, I support that 100%. Annexation of uh, Guanacaste. That's the celebration of the annexation of Guanacaste to Costa Rica. Formerly, it was known as Nicoya. Carousel Day. Commemoration of the Assault on Mercado. Uh, Fidel Castro marked the failed assault on Mercado as the beginning of his revolution to take over Cuba. Culinarians Day. Feast of St. James the Apostle Day. Fiesta de Santiago in Nicaragua. Guanacaste Day again. Health and Happiness with Hypnosis Day. They'll have you clucking like a chicken before you know it. International Red Shoe Day. National Clay Day. National Drowning Prevention Day. National Hire a Veteran Day. Now that that should be done, yes. National Houston Day. I was notified here in El Paso that uh, as far as the city is concerned, disabled veterans are walking ATM machines. Because if they keep the pressure on, you'll spew money. Um, National Houston Day. National Merry-Go-Round Day. National Thread the Needle Day. National Wine and Cheese Day. Puerto Rican Constitution Day. St. James the Great. Uh, it honors St. James, an apostle of Jesus. Um, Tunisia Republic Day. And once again, World Drowning Prevention Day. Alrighty, let's go back to this. 306 AD, Constantine I is proclaimed Roman Emperor by his troops. 315, the Arch of Constantine is completed near the Colosseum at Rome to commemorate Constantine I's victory over Maxentius at the Milvian Bridge. 677, the climax of the siege of Thessalonica by the Slavs in a three-day assault on the city walls. 864, the Edict of Piastres of Charles de Bald orders defensive measures against the Vikings. 1137, Eleanor of Aquitaine marries Prince Louis, later King Louis VII of France, at the Cathedral of St. Andre in Bordeaux. 1139, Battle of Orique, the Almavirids, uh, led by Ali Ibn Yusuf, are defeated by Prince Alfonso Enriquez, who is proclaimed King of Portugal. 1261, the city of Constantinople is recaptured by Nicene forces under the command of Alexios Sotogalopoulos, reestablishing the Byzantine Empire. That was originally the Eastern Roman Empire. 1278, naval battle of Algeciras takes place in the context of the Spanish Reconquista, resulting in a victory for the Emirate of Granada and the Maronite dynasty over the Kingdom of Castile. 1467, the Battle of Molinella. First battle in Italy in which firearms is used extensively. 1536, Sebastian de Dalacazar, on his search for El Dorado, founds the city of Santiago de Cali. 1538, the city of Guayaquil is founded by the Spanish conquistador Francisco de Oriana and given the name of Muy Noble y Muy Ciudad de Santiago de Guayaquil. That's a mouthful. 1547, Henry II of France is crowned. 1554, the royal wedding of Mary I and Philip II of Spain, celebrated at Winchester Cathedral. 1567, Don Diego de Losada founds the city of Santiago de Leon de Caracas, modern-day Caracas, the capital city of Venezuela, where college-educated folks work in the fields. 1591, the Duke of Parma is defeated near the Dutch city of Nijmegen by Anglo-Dutch force led by Maurice of Orange. 1593, Henry IV of France publicly converts from Protestantism to Roman Catholicism. 
1603, James VI and the first and Anne of Denmark are crowned in Westminster Abbey. He was James VI of Scotland and James I of England, as I understand it. 1609, English ship Sea Venture en route to Virginia is directly driven ashore during a storm at Bermuda to prevent its sinking. Survivors going to found a new colony there. 1668, multitude 8.5 earthquake strikes eastern China. Kills over 42,000 people. 1693, Ignacio de Maya founds the real Santiago de las Sabinas, now known as Sabinas Hidalgo, Nuevo Leon, Mexico. 1718, at the behest of Tsar Peter the Great, the construction of the Cadriorg Palace, dedicated to Catherine, begins in Tallinn. 1722, Dummer's War begins along the main Massachusetts border. 1755, and for those that are not familiar with Dummer's War, uh, also known as Father Real's War, Lovewell's War, Greylock's War, the Three Years' War, the Abenaki New England War, and the Fourth Anglo-Abenaki War, that was a series of battles between the New England colonies and the Abenaki Confederacy, allied with New France. The Eastern Theater of the War is located primarily along the border between New England and Acadia and Maine. Well, there's Nova Scotia. Western Theater is located in northern Massachusetts, Vermont, at the border between Canada, or New France, and New England. At this point in time, Maine and Vermont were part of Massachusetts, but taking a position people in Massachusetts talk funny, they created their own states. 1755, British Governor Charles Lawrence and the Nova Scotia Council ordered the deportation of the Acadians. He went to uh, Louisiana and many cases. 1759, French and Indian War in western New York. British forces captured Fort Niagara from the French, who subsequently abandoned Fort Riel. 1783, American Revolutionary War. In the war's last action, the siege of Cudalore is ended by preliminary peace agreement. 1788, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart completes his Symphony No. 40 in G minor on this date. 1792, the Brunswick Manifesto is issued to the population of Paris promising vengeance if the French royal family is harmed. All talk, no action. 1797, Horatio... Alrighty. 1797, Horatio Nelson loses more than 300 men in his right arm during the failed conquest attempt in Tenerife in Spain. 1799, Napoleon Bonaparte defeats an numerically superior Ottoman army under Mustafa Pasha at the Battle of Abukir. 1814, during the War of 1812, an American attack on Canada is repulsed. 1824, Costa Rica annexes Gu Guana Castle from Nicaragua. 1837, the first commercial use of an electrical telegraph is successfully demonstrated in London by William Cook and Charles Wheatstone. 1853, Joaquin Marietta, the famous California bandit known as the Robin Hood of El Dorado, is killed. 1861, American Civil War. U.S. Congress passes the Crittenden-Johnson Resolution stating that the war is being fought to preserve the Union and not to end slavery in the wake of the defeat at the First Battle of Bull Run. 1866, U.S. Congress passes legislation authorizing the rank of General of the Army. Lieutenant General Ulysses S. Grant becomes the first to be promoted to this rank. He was a failed shopkeeper. 1868, only territories established. 1869, the Japanese Damios began returning their land holdings to the Emperor as part of the Meiji Restoration Reforms. 1894, the first Sino-Japanese War begins when a Japanese fire on a Chinese ship. 1897, American author Jack London embarks on a sailing trip to take part in the Klondike's Gold Rush, from which he wrote his very f uh, first successful stories, one which was called The Wild. 1898, Spanish-American War. American invasion of Spanish-held Puerto Rico begins as the U.S. Army troops uh, under General Nelson Miles land and secure the port of Guanica. 
1908, Ajinomoto was founded. Kakune Akeda of the Tokyo Imperial University discovers that a key ingredient in kombu soup stock is on a sodium glutamate and patents the process for manufacturing it. Ajinomoto is a Japanese multinational food and biotechnology corporation which produces seasonings and a layer insulating material for semiconductor packages for use in personal computers, cooking oils, frozen foods, beverages, sweeteners, amino acid, and pharmaceuticals. It's the trade name for the company's uh, original monosodium glutamate product, which was the very first one of its kind. 1909, Louis Theriot makes the first flight across the English Channel a heavy air machine from Calais to Dover, England, in 37 minutes. 1915, RFC Captain Leno Hawker becomes the first British pursuit aviator during the Victoria Cross. 1917, Sir Robert Borden introduces the first income tax in Canada as a temporary measure. Lowest brackets 4%, the highest is 25%. But let me tell you, when a government gets its hands on a tax. They view it as free money, and they're never going to let it go. The U.S. income tax was temporary for World War I. 1925, Telegraph Agency for the Soviet Union, TASS, is established. 1934, the Nazis assassinate Austrian Chancellor Engelbert Dollfuss in a failed coup attempt. 1940, General Henri Goussin orders the Swiss Army to resist German invasion and make surrender illegal. You surrender, I shoot you. 1942, the Norwegian Manifesto calls for nonviolent resistance to the German occupation. 1943, World War II, Benito Mussolini is forced out of office by the king, encouraged, of course, by the Grand Council of Fascism, and is replaced by Pietro Bellaglio. 1944, World War II, Operation Spring is one of the bloodiest days of the First Canadian Army during the war. 1946, Crossroads Baker device is the first underwater nuclear weapons test. 1956, 45 miles south of Nantucket Island, the Italian Ocean Liner SS Andrea Doria collides with the MS Stockholm in heavy fog and sinks the next day. 51 people die. 1957, a Tunisian king, Mohammed VIII of Al-Amin, is replaced by President Habib Bergoubili. In 1958, the African Regroupment Party holds its first Congress in Cotonou. In 1961, in a speech, John F. Kennedy emphasizes any attack on Berlin is an attack on NATO. In 1965, Bob Diamond goes electric at the Newport Folk Festival, signaling a major change in folk and rock music. In 1969, Vietnam War, President Nixon declares the Nixon Doctrine. Stating the U.S. now expects its Asian allies to take care of their own military defense. Part of the Vietnamization of the war. 1971. So, Hagpur massacres perpetuated by the, uh, or perpetrated by the Pakistan Army. 1973. Soviet Mars 5 space probe is launched. 1976. The Viking program. Viking 1 takes the famous face on Mars photo. Which, of course, we are assured is just shadows. Nothing to see here. Move along. 1978, Puerto Rican police shoot two nationalists in the Cerro Maravilla murders. Also in 78, the birth of Louise Joy Brown, the first human to have been born after conception by an in vitro fertilization. 1979, in accord with the Egypt-Israel peace treaty, Israel begins its withdrawal from the Sinai Peninsula. 1983, Black July, 37 Tamil political prisoners at the Wakata High Security Prison in Colombo are massacred by the, their fellow Sinhalese prisoners. 1984, Soviet 7 cosmonaut Svetlana Savetskaya becomes the first woman to, to perform a spacewalk. 1993, Israel launches a massive attack against Lebanon in what the Israels call Operation Accountability and the Lebanese call the Seven-Day War. Also in 1993, the St. James Church Massacre occurs in Kenilworth, Cape Town, South Africa.
1994, Israel and Jordan signed the Washington Declaration that formally ends the state of war that existed between the nations since 1948. 1995, a gas bottle explodes in St. Michelle Station of Line B of the Paris Regional Train Network. Eight are killed, 80 are wounded. 1996, in a military coup in Burundi, Pierre Boyoya deposes Silvestri de Bantungaya. A 2000 Concorde Air France Flight 4590 crashes outside of um, Paris shortly after taking off at Charles de Gaulle Airport. Kills 113. 2007, Pratibha Patel is sworn as India's first female president. 2010, WikiLeaks publishes classified documents about the war in Afghanistan. It's one of the largest leaks in U.S. military history. 2018, Asuata. Attacks, coordinated attacks occurred in Syria. And in 2019, national extreme heat records set this day in the UK, Belgium, the Netherlands, and Germany during the July 2019 European heat wave. But we got some serious temperatures now. Of course, nobody talks about that because it only affects uh, Americans, and we don't count anymore thanks to His Lordship. Okay. We talked about the Dancing Plague, which um, was quite fascinating to observe. I'm going to talk about some more strange and unusual things, such as the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, researchers have tried to determine why planes and ships mysteriously vanished in the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Florida. Though the ivory tower scientists declared there's nothing to see here, we need to move on. December 5th, 1945, 14 pilots flying five World War II torpedo bombers took off from Naval Air Station Fort Lauderdale on a routine training mission over the Bermuda Triangle and vanished. U.S. Navy even sent a Martin Mariner search plane out at the time to find the missing aircraft, and that plane and its crew disappeared as well. But of course... Nothing odd about that, according to the average tower scientist. Dozens of ships and airplanes and hundreds of people reportedly disappeared in a large expanse of ocean off the southwest tip of Florida. That area is known as the Bermuda Triangle. Losses include military aircraft, small boat, commercial flights, armored warships. These vehicles seemingly vanish into thin air and are never seen again. I mean, they've had planes disappear while in a uh, landing pattern. But that's okay. It's nothing to worry about. Now let's talk about a powerful surge of radio waves that travel millions of miles across the cosmos. Was an attempt by the aliens to contact us? It's known as the WOW signal. You know, countless millennia ago, and kind of gazed into the skies, pondering the same question modern humanity asks itself. Are we alone in the universe? Or does life exist elsewhere, far off in the heavens? And many people believe scientists uh, got the answer to these questions 40 years ago in an incident that uh, still causes worldwide debate. It was in mid-August of 1977. Jerry Amon, a volunteer researcher for Ohio State University's uh, bigger radio telescope, was sitting in his kitchen reviewing printout data from the telescope scan of the skies for August 15th. The telescope was used in a search for extraterrestrial intelligence for the SETI program. Reading the printouts, he realized that the telescope was pointed toward a cluster of stars called Chai Sagittari and it had picked up a blast of radio waves from space. According to the printout, those radio waves read 6EQU.J5, a letter number way of denoting the 72-second burst registering at a frequency of 1,420 megahertz. He circled the notation in red ink and wrote, Wow! on the printout. Well... 
Many analysts were convinced some type of intelligent life form somewhere out there had generated the signal. After all, the analyst reasoned, wouldn't a radio signal capable of traveling vast distances across space be the ideal way to transmit messages? And maybe the most baffling aspect of the uh, so-called wow signal, it had never... It's never been observed again, even though the scientists have uh, scanned the same region for many years, made countless efforts to find another radio burst originating elsewhere. I mean, after all, if the aliens were trying to contact us, wouldn't they try it again and again? Well, that leaves us with a few possibilities. The most intriguing being that the blast of radio waves was a genuine communication from intelligent alien life. And if it wasn't? Though Eamon believes the signal is from a distant civilization, he hadn't ruled out the possibility the source might have been on Earth. Maybe it was a military uh, signal. Others suggest that a space body, such as an asteroid, a planet, or a moon, may have reflected a man-made signal back toward the Earth. So to date, scientists have ruled out each of the terrestrial origin theories, but haven't been able to unequivocally rule out the possibility of an extraterrestrial origin. Though our retired scientists, by and large, believe we are alone in the universe. Well, from signals from ancient civilizations, let's turn to alchemy. Dismissed by some as a Pseudoscience, the ancient quest to turn lead into gold, has produced a number of important scientific breakthroughs. You may know alchemy only as the ancient practice of trying to turn base metals such as lead into gold, and we may be tempted to think such a quest was merely part of a nonsensical pseudoscience. In actuality, alchemy is based on numerous philosophical worldviews spanning 4,000 years. It incorporates traditions from Hellenistic Egypt, India, the Arab world, and even China. The one tenet of alchemy is essentially spiritual. Practitioners believe everything in the natural world, including the metals deep within the earth, contain a spirit. Transmutation of lead into gold thus served as a symbol of an individual's personal transmutation to a state of perfection. Now, the main objective of alchemy was to create a material called the Philosopher's Stone. That's a mineral substance that could heal, prolong life, and change base metals into gold. Despite thousands of years of experimentation, it's never been discovered that we know of. Working with elements such as mercury and sulfur, ancient Indian alchemists attempted to uh, create a divine body that would forever be immortal. Islamic alchemists strive to create a life artificially in their laboratories using various metals. The goal of alchemy in ancient China was not to transmute base metals, but rather to create potions to prolong life and ensure immortality. It's believed the Chinese accidentally created gunpowder while attempting to find an elixir for eternal life. So an item that extinguishes life was actually an attempt to create something to prolong life which is somewhat ironic. The failure to find a philosopher's stone shouldn't, be, shouldn't obscure, obscure alchemy's important contributions to science. It was alchemists that helped establish the scientific method by making detailed notes and diagrams and conducting controlled experiments. They invented apparatus for the laboratory techniques of distillation and sublimation. Zinc and metallic arsenic were discovered in alchem, uh, alchemy labs as were substances used in manufacturing uh, an industry. According to uh, Jane Bosveld in Discover in 2010, alchemy was a valuable necessary phase in the development of modern chemistry. Without the alchemist, we wouldn't have many of the advances we have today. Well, let's talk about the Red Oak Chapel Staircase. A uh, nameless carpenter built a miraculous architectural wonder. 
And the center of Santa Fe, New Mexico, is a former Roman Catholic church known as the Loretto Chapel. It's uh, built on the grounds of what was in a girls' school founded by the Sisters of Loretto. And throughout its interior, beautiful paintings, marvelous statues, and handsome stained glass windows. But it's the chapel's famous helix spiral staircase that brings visitors from around the world. Legend claims when the chapel was completed in 1878, there was no way to reach the choir loft from the ground floor. With limited floor space, Sister didn't want to install a standard staircase. Desperate for a solution, they prayed to St. Joseph, the patron saint of carpenters, and on the final day of prayer, a man arrived at their door with a mule and a toolbox looking for work. He worked in private and alone. He completed the job several months later, but left unseen without asking for any payment. Never revealed his name, or the sisters never saw him again. In the course of its 22-foot rise, the spruce miraculous stair makes two 360-degree twists and has no visible means of support. Not unsurprisingly, the sisters of Loretto were convinced it was St. Joseph himself who came to them in their time of need. which makes about as much sense as the fat guy in the red suit that comes down your chimney every December 25th. Well, let's talk about the Winchester Mystery House. Which woulda undertook a endless construction project to appease the spirits of those killed by the famous Winchester Rifles. You know, the Winchester rifle, if you'll remember, was the world's most efficient repeating rifle to be manufactured on a large scale. And over the years, Winchester factories churned out millions of rifles and dozens of different models and styles. These firearms saw action in nearly every part of the world. And the rifle's place in firearms history is undeniable, as is its role in one of America's most bizarre buildings. In 1862, Sarah Lockwood Pardee of New Haven, Connecticut, married William Wirt Winchester. He was treasurer of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company and son of Oliver Fisher Winchester, the founder of the company. In 1866, the couple's infant daughter, Anne, died, sending Sarah into a deep, unyielding depression from which she never recovered. Fifteen years later, in March of, 19, of uh, 1881, Sarah's husband died of tuberculosis. The $21 million and 50% ownership of the Winchester Company inherited by Sarah didn't do much to assuage the 41-year-old widow's grief. So she went to a psychic. The psychic told Sarah she was being haunted by the spirits of all those who had been killed by Winchester rifles. Only way to placate the spirits was to leave New Haven and move west, where she was to build a large house for them. Well... Construction on the house should never cease. If it did, Sarah herself would be in great danger. Well, she left Connecticut and headed for California, where she purchased a farmhouse in Santa Clara Valley in 1884. And with unlimited financial resources at hand, she began hiring carpenters to work in shifts 14 hours a day, seven days a week. A schedule would be maintained non-stop for 38 years until she died in 1922. The astonishing structure would eventually have 160 rooms, 2,000 doors, 10,000 windows, 47 stairways, some of which led nowhere, 47 fireplaces, and 13 bathrooms. Wild tales of the house being haunted by the ghost of the Dead began to circulate even while the eccentric, superstitious Miss Winchester was building her sprawling mansion. Details about the mystery house and its mysterious occupant are somewhat sketchy. She granted no interviews, didn't leave any journal or memoirs. Today, the house is a California historical landmark and registered with the National Park Service as a large, odd dwelling with an unknown number of rooms. The... Uh, all this from the ramblings of a self-proclaimed psychic who may or may not have known what the hell she was talking about.
Now, I used to interview psychics and tarot card readers and everything else you could imagine on my radio show. And in all that time, I found two who I thought were exactly what they said they were. One was so accurate on things he couldn't have known about, it was absolutely scary. And the other was good. How much was uh, ascertained through other sources rather than her tarot cards was anybody's guess. Well, let's talk about mass murder in ancient Sweden. Dubbed Sweden's own Pompeii. 1,500-year-old massacre left scores of bodies frozen in time is evidence of a gruesome killing spree. Olin was a narrow island off the southeast coast of Sweden in the Baltic Sea and society one of history's most brutal and mysterious massacres. The carnage occurred around 450 A.D. at Stanby Borg, a fort that sheltered more than 50 houses and Hundreds of people. And the unknown, unknown killers attacked swiftly and thoroughly, slaying their victims, men, women, and children, execution style. Evidence indicated the inhabitants were called unawares, killed and left on the spot. There were no burial of the dead. They were just left to rot in the sun. Sheeps and goats' teeth were found stuffed in the mouths of skeletons. Attackers took none of the inhabitants' valuables, nor did they Seize Indian livestock was very unusual. Nobody knows for certain why, who the attackers were and why they killed uh, with such savagery. Archaeologist uh, Atlanta Victor believed the attack was a political act perpetrated by another group on the island. But of course, that was never proven. And then we have the famous suicide forest of Aokigahara. Each year, hundreds of forlorn, desperate people enter this dense forest in Japan with no intention of ever coming out. It lies at the base of Mount Fuji in Japan. It's a thick forest known as the Sea of Trees. It's a verdant wilderness, and it's a favorite destination of tourists who are attracted to the forest's peaceful ambiance, walking trails, and small caves. But the forest has got a far more dark and sinister reputation. Every year, dozens of people enter the forest and commit suicide. The Sea of Trees, Aokigahara Forest, is Japanese number one suicide spot. Since the 1950s, more than 500 people have wandered into Aokigahara and never come out. The exact number of suicides each year is not known because authorities have stopped making that information public. When last reported, there were 54 confirmed suicides in 2010, but nearly 250 suicide attempts were made that year. The most common form of suicide in the forest is hanging or drug overdose. Police have posted signs throughout Aokigahara uh, dissuading people from their suicidal intentions such as your life is a precious gift from your parents. Another says, uh, please consult the police before you decide to die. Forest poses grave danger even to those who have no plans to take their lives. Volunteers who scour the woods for dead bodies often come, become lost in the forest themselves, never to be seen again. So ask yourself why have so many desperate people decided to end their life at Aokigahara Forest. One legend claims people took sick relatives to a remote area in Aokigahara and let them die peacefully. In times of famine and starvation, uh, people allegedly abandoned family members in the forest because there wasn't any food, enough food for everybody. Locals of long decided unhappy spirits of the abandoned dead haunt the forest. Sites popularity as a place to die has been described in Seicho Matsumoto's 1960 novel, The Black Sea of Trees, which concludes with two lovers committing joint suicide in the forest. It was a photo essay of the forest that was published in 2017. It's shown as a place resplendent with life.
but it's where people apparently like to go to die. Well, we've talked about a lot of strange and unusual uh, things. The uh, you know one topic that folks always want me to talk about is uh, strange occurrences in Las Vegas. So I'm going to give you a few of those. Uh, you know, Las Vegas is known actually for two things. Entertainment and gambling. But did you know some of the casinos are actually haunted? There was a showroom, not now long gone, where the Rat Pack played a packed house two, night, two times a night. There was a casino that was designed in the style of ancient Egypt with a curse that may have been brought on by its designers. Then there was a spot where a controversial casino once stood and it's haunted by a musician who never left. And Las Vegas has its own ghost town. And let's talk about a casino's curse. You have to ask yourself, why do bad things keep happening at one of the most notable casinos in Las Vegas? Was it poorly designed construction or something far more sinister? And why did the hotel almost completely change its theme? Well, keep in mind, if you will, that um, there are quite a number of um, eccentricities, if you will, in regard to um, the building of some of the attractions in Las Vegas. The Nile River Tour was a very popular entertainment venue in Vegas. More often than not, the line for the tour ride wraps around half the casino. Security has to create makeshift lines by putting stations throughout the floor of the casino. Even had the position of security officer between two sets of stations so the casino guests not on the ride were, weren't able to go around the lines and, in effect, get ahead of the line. Well, in one particular ride, two women found it hard to contain their excitement as they boarded the boat designed to resemble an ancient Egyptian barge. One was named Aaron. And she slid into her seat and readied her camera. And the other was Catherine. And she slid in next to her. Now, this wasn't a typical thrill ride found at most tourist attractions. In fact, the women didn't even have to wear seat belts. Instead, the ride slowly wound its way around the first floor of the casino, followed an elaborate canal that had been cut into the floor and filled with water. Tour guide kept up a constant... Uh, Spiel. At one point, he announced, "We're about to enter the Temple of Ramses the Second. The barge passed replicas of pharaohs sitting on chairs, their hands resting on their own legs, and around the pharaohs were columns." The two women took pictures and pointed out the images to each other. These images were explained by the tour guide. The barge made its way around the casino through the temple of Anum and down a dark tunnel. As they entered the tunnel, Erin suddenly felt a cheer and wrapped her arms around herself. She asked her friend, did it just get cold in here? And Catherine replied, it most certainly did. Well, it's probably just the water in the tunnel, according to the first lady. But it was at that moment 
she saw something that she would never forget. She saw a man floating just above the water as the barge got closer. He reached out to her. At first, she didn't realize what was happening. I mean, after all, why would a man be standing in the water? But as he got closer, she leaned back against her friend to avoid his grasp. And when her friend saw the man floating in the water, she screamed like a banshee. Well, let's step back from this event, uh, October 15, 1993. At 4 o'clock in the morning, the Luxor Casino and Hotel opened. 18 months after ground was broken. It cost $375 million to build, was that the, and as was the style at the time in Las Vegas, it looked like a bit of Egypt on the Las Vegas Strip because it was shaped like a pyramid. If I had a gaming commission, Chairman Bill Curran said when the hotel opened, uh, you have to give credit to the creative people who suggested a pyramid and those who didn't laugh. Lesser folks would have said it couldn't be done. At the time, the Luxor was the tallest structure in Las Vegas. The roughly three-quarter scale of the Great Pyramid itself contained more than 2,500 rooms and 30 stories tall making it 350 feet tall. But it wasn't the only spectacular part of the resort. The front walkway contained replicas of ram-headed sphinxes just like those located in the Egyptian city of Luxor during King Tut's reign. That was about 1300 B.C. It also had one 110-foot sphinx at the front of the hotel facing the famous strip. That was supposed to be a replica of the great sphinx at Giza and a 140-foot obelisk positioned in front of the Sphinx. Interesting enough, the name Luxor came from the Egyptian city of Thebes, which didn't have any pyramids. Well, as intriguing as the hotel is on the outside, it's equally stunning on the inside. When it was first built in the mid-1990s, the Luxor featured a museum of quality exhibits created by Egyptologists hired by the resort to authenticate reproductions of Egyptian ornamentation. Periodic carved light posts throughout the casino contained actual Egyptian writing. Front lobby was a replica of the Temple of the Abu Simbel, complete with four colossal statues of Ramses. It also boasted the world's largest atrium at the time. And on the casino level, a man-made replica of the Nile River, five times as long as the pyramid is high, took guests on a historic tour throughout uh, ancient Egypt. Egyptian theme continued on the 100,000-square-foot casino floor with more than 2,500 slot machines, 82 table games, a poker room, a race and sports book. And even the slot machines got involved in the spirit of things. Guests pulled the handles of machines called Pharaoh's Gold and Treasures of Tutankhamun and Pyramid in the Valley of the Kings. One device even allowed gamblers to place wages on tiny Egyptian barges that raced through a watery oval track. The Luxor is also a technological wonder, as you might guess. Pyramid shape of the hotel made uh, installation of standard elevators impossible. Instead, the Luxor uses inclinators, which are a type of elevator that travels at a 39-degree angle. The inclinators move passengers side to side instead of up and down. Top level of the pyramid contains a facade that looks like a modern city giving a subtle feeling of the ancient Egyptian first floor being an underground archaeological dig. And the top floor was complete with a $50 million ride called Secrets of the Luxor Pyramid. Interactive ride used movie and motion effects to take passengers on a journey through time to find a stolen magical Egyptian treasure. The most notable technological advancement, though, is likely the 42.3 billion candle power light that shines atop the pyramid, blasting upward into the sky. Light so powerful it can be seen from space. But with all that, the Luxor faced challenges almost from the beginning. Challenges that many believe were the result of a curse placed on the casino from the start. Some place the source of the curse on the life-size sphinx that bears the uh, that faces the Las Vegas Strip. 
And while the sphinxes are a replica of the one protecting the Great Pyramid, evidence seems to indicate that two sphinxes are needed to truly protect the pyramid. Between the paws of the ancient sphinx in Egypt lies a stella, an upright stone slab that depicts two sphinxes placed back to back to protect the pyramid. Well, if two pyramids are necessary and one is facing east, shouldn't the second one be facing west? Some Egyptologists believe that uh, the second sphinx once guarded the Great Pyramid during, uh, along with the first. However, unlike the existing sphinx, this westward-facing sphinx wasn't buried by sand. Instead of being protected by the elements, as was the case with the eastward-facing sphinx, the westward-facing sphinx was, over the years, destroyed by erosion. Others believe the ground that the Luxor sits on is cursed. It's built on a swampy piece of land, one which will eventually cause its sister property, Mandalay Bay, to partially sink after it was built. Many old-time residents of Las Vegas claimed the land was routinely used by the mob as a dumping ground for those who found themselves on the wrong side of a mob-related conflict. And this may explain the middle-aged man in the striped brown suit that... Uh, has been seen wandering the hallways of the upper floors. According to those who have encountered him, if you don't get out of his way, he'll walk right through you, leaving you feeling frigidly cold. Others claim he'll simply disappear. But all agree the man seems angry and deep in thought. Well, no matter what the case may be, the Luxor experienced setbacks and tragedies almost from the start. The county commission, which, who, according to Circus Circus Enterprises chairman uh, William Bennett, uh, didn't know how to build a pyramid, changed its requirements for fire precautions after 12 floors of the hotel had already been built. Bennett estimated the county's requirements cost the resort an extra $7 million. If the county required those safety precautions from the start, it only cost another $1.3 million. Well, by 1997, the Luxor attempt to make its black glass pyramid stand out at night, signed an agreement with uh, B Incorporated to install lights that would illuminate the uh, four corners of the Luxor Pyramid. And the system suffered from numerous design flaws, construction flaws, and unscheduled power shutdowns, according to Luxor executives who complained the system wasn't uh, completely operational and that it uh, suffered from faulty equipment. They eventually sued B Incorporated in 2003. And at least one worker lost his wife while building the pyramid, and several others were injured. Many workers who arrived on site during the construction refused to go back once they spent time in the pyramid because they considered the property to be jinxed. In fact, guests have complained the property seems to have a strange feeling, one that uh, lifts once they walk outside. The feeling quite possibly is caused by the ghost of the construction worker who's the most notable permanent resident of the hotel. In fact, death seems to be a constant visitor to the Luxor in the form of accidents and murders. Not long after the hotel was opened in 1996, a young woman rode the inclinators to the 29th floor of the hotel, and that unique shape of the structure afforded her a view of the entire casino floor. She climbed onto the railing of the balcony, sitting with her feet dangling off the edge, and gazed down at the people below, and then she jumped, and directly in front of the all-you-can-eat buffet. Well, many folks reported seeing a sad young woman dressed in red walking around the area where the buffet once stood. And that had to affect the appetites of those that were chowing down on the buffet, let me tell you. Another death occurred when the young man either committed suicide or was simply unlucky. According to some reports, the man was showing off to his girlfriend by hanging onto the outside edges of the balcony railing. And because most people don't look up, he wouldn't notice as he teased his girlfriend threatening to jump if she wouldn't marry him. And whether that was the case or not, isn't really known. What is known is a young man did fall, landed on the floor in front of the reservation desk. His ghost is said to walk the casino floor. 1997, a California man was arrested and charged with killing a 16-year-old prostitute in his room at the hotel. According to police reports, Michael Hathaway met Sarah Gruber at the bar took her to his room where he sexually assaulted the underage girl and eventually strangled her. She was found at 9 o'clock in the morning by the guest room attendant who entered the room to clean it. Well, Gruber had a false Arizona ID in the name of Elena Alvarado and showed her to be 21. Autopsy determined that she died from asphyxiation by strangulation. 
2004 MGM Mirage bought the Luxor and the rest of the Mandalay Resort Group, once known as Circus Circus Properties, almost immediately funded an estimated $300 million makeover of the resort, removing many of the artifacts and Egyptian-themed decor that had decorated so much of the casino. The Nile River Tour, whose initial purpose was actually to transport guests to the inclinators, was removed completely, some say because of the number of guests who reported seeing ghosts at the entrance to the tunnel. And many claimed the makeover was an attempt to remove the curse that seemed to loom over the casino from the beginning. However, Luxor President and Chief Operating Officer Felix Rappaport, who helped oversee the company, the property's makeover, stated the competition just moved by it. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to realize it needed to be freshened up. And while the casino kept its European theme on the outside, almost 80% of the interior had changed. However, changes don't seem to have had an impact on the curse. 2005, famous singers Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons cut short their three-week engagement at the Luxor, saying some people just don't live up to the deals they create. 2007, a man put a bomb on a car at the, in the parking garage, hoping to kill his ex-girlfriend and a man she is currently dating. Carolyn Challey was walking with her boyfriend in her car in the parking garage when the boyfriend noticed that something had been placed on the hood. Not realizing it was a bomb, boyfriend removed the device, and as he did, the bomb went off, taking half of the man's head hand with it and sending a metal fragment into his head, killing him. Challey herself wasn't uh, harmed. In June of 2010, a University of Nevada Las Vegas football player was killed in an altercation with a mixed martial arts fighter in one of the rooms at the Luxor. Two friends were staying in a suite at the hotel, and 25-year-old Jason Sindelar got into a confrontation with his girlfriend at a party being held at the suite. Demario Reynolds approached Sindelar and asked him to leave, and the drunken Sindelar slapped his girlfriend and attempted to grab her by the throat. And that was when uh, Reynolds grabbed Sindelar in a bear hug, telling him, I don't want to fight you, I love you. And when Sindelar calmed down, Reynolds let him go, only to be attacked by Sindelar. When the fight was broken up, Sindelar, after a short rest on the couch, again attacked Reynolds, this time dragging him to the ground as he hit him. Uh, Reynolds didn't recover from the incident. In 2010, a dancer at Luxor's uh, fantasy show didn't show up for practice one Sunday. Roommate reported 31-year-old Deborah Flores Navarez was missing and contacted her sister when Flores Navarez didn't show. And while Flores Navarez stated in her own biography, I'm blessed with a subliminal amount of common sense, she'd uh, eventually be found dead at the hands of her volatile boyfriend who encased her in concrete after he killed her. And it would appear that removing the Egyptian artifacts and the overall, theaters, the overall theme has done little to change the curse. Bad things continue to happen and ghosts can still be found on the property. During the renovation process, the buffet was moved to a completely different location, but the uh, the ghost of the lady who jumped to her death can still be seen wandering around the area where the buffet was originally located. And many believe that the source of the curse is the missing westward-facing sphinx. Others claim the curse won't be released on artificial eyes put in the capstone of the pyramid. They believe the eye of providence and all-seeing eye would represent God watching over the resort. Well, on that note, we come to the end of today's show. There's strange, bizarre things no matter where you look. Now we're going to talk about most of them. Well, until tomorrow at this time, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening.